Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash yesteryear's news today. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com forward slash yesteryear's news today. Hello and welcome to SGS News Today, 5th of July 1918. Total death toll in Hammond Circus train wreck hits 104, with 127 injured. Spanish flu sweeps country, killing thousands. And finally, a young war medic has been seriously wounded during an attack. He is awarded the Silver Medal of Military Valor for dragging another man to safety, but he'll soon be looking for a new career. So that was the news as it was this week in 1918, Sunday the 5th. Which can mean only one thing. You're listening to yesterday's news today. I'm Shane. I'm Johnny. I want to, I, for some reason I said Sunday the 5th, but July 5th, it doesn't matter what day we're on. We're doing the <laughs> oh, date yeah. the 5th, but good start already. But no, we're releasing on Sundays. Now, yeah, it still works, so. but it was just, it's the first time I've ever said the day. Um, I, I didn't even notice <laughs> But yeah, I was um, like, "What did I do?" I was like, "I was really interrupted you because you were looking <laughs> at me funny." And I was like, "Oh no, I've done something wrong again." No, no, yeah, <laughs> no, all me, all me to done something so wrong. So, how have you been since last week, Johnny? Yeah, good. Haven't seen you in a week. Yeah. So yeah, your birthday party that was a good night. Yeah, we 80s night. <laughs> yeah, it's good it's crack. Good, really good crack. My costume was awesome. You wanted to dress up originally as the driver from Driver. You were trying to get the scorpion jacket, weren't you? Yeah, but it was too much. Cost too much. What was it going for? What was it? It was like sixty quid. I oh, mean, that's, that's a lot for a costume for an eighties <laughs> yeah. party. But I probably, but it's not just like it was a genuine jacket. Like you oh, might yeah. get a few uses out of it. Oh yeah, you just wear it all the time. Everyone's like, that guy's a badass. I really wanted to go as um, what do you call him? Baywatch guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you see that music video I sent you? Oh. I didn't get a chance to watch it actually. has not yeah, yeah, if, uh, it's from Kong Fury, his yeah. music video. Done for a... All that stuff aside, uh, we should remind people to follow us on Facebook at Yesteryear's News Today and on Twitter at YNT Podcast if you have any queries or questions or notes or want to give out to us or whatever. And uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud and any podcatcher. You're probably already listening to us on one of them, but if you haven't subscribed, do that. And subscribe. rate and review if you really wanted yeah. to. We'd love some reviews. So yeah, we have a few, sure. but we always want more. It helps. Yeah, yeah. So, what happened in 1918, 5th of July? I found this really good story from uh, July 2nd, 1918. From what I could find from websites and newspapers and stuff, it was all just like, just really, that this happened, but there was no details or anything. And I ended up yeah, yeah, a few yeah. searches, and I eventually found what prompted me to it originally was on the 2nd of July, there was the total death toll. In Hammond Circus train wreck hits 104 with 127 injured. Wow. Now to start off, so that was 61 men and 43 women, many of whom were unknown and uh, were not named. And I'll get back to the numbers because there's a bit fiddliness with the numbers there. Okay, it started off in the early hours of on June 22nd, 1918. Alonzo Sargent was the engineer operating a Chicago or Michigan uh, Sorry, a Michigan Central Railroad troop train pulling 20 empty Pullman cars. He was closely following a slower train, the circus train. 
and they'd stopped several times along the way to get water and do a couple of other things and there was kind of they were doing a procedure of like the circus train was stopping so he was stopped outside the stations by signals and stuff like that and flag men and all this and this was going on for hours and hours but and they stopped a couple of times so he had to kind of stay his train was much faster so he had to stay a good bit behind them at the time he was driving he hadn't slept much in the previous 24 hours because he was he described himself he was deadheading his way home (laughs) so he was like basically hopping from train to train to work his way home so he hadn't really slept much and uh, he'd also uh, before departing he'd eaten a very heavy meal because they left at like something like about uh, 2 a.m or something like this they left on their journey so he had a really really heavy meal because he knew he wouldn't he'd be up all night and he wouldn't get to eat for hours and hours so around a bit later on in the night uh, there was a very strong crosswind coming through the cabin and normally the uh, engineers would just they kept their windows open so they could look back and check on the train all that kind of stuff but yeah, there was just yeah. really cold wind coming in so he closed the window and then the cab started getting really warm and he hadn't slept in a couple of hours and he had a f- f- lovely belly full of food <laughs> oh. and he dozed off at approximately 4am he had missed at least two automatic signals and warnings by brakeman of the 26 car circus train he awoke in time to see the red warning lights now only 70 to 90, 90 feet away from him and he was traveling at an estimated 35 miles per hour and he was quickly upon the uh, circus train although it was too late he, he like in his statements he said he tried pulling the brake but he never found out if it worked or not because he hit the back of the train uh, oh. so he doesn't even know if actually the brakes slowed him down or anything because he just was like oh I just pulled the brake doesn't know if it worked so the circus train had made an emergency stop along its route to check a hot box. And this is a, it's a term used when the axle bearings overheat because they're like encased in these like greasy cloths and stuff like that. And sometimes they dry out and when they dry out, then they overheat. And this had happened the circus train. So they stopped kind of just in the middle of the tra- uh, railway tracks. They were about five and a half miles from Hammond in Indiana. So they were quite close to the station, but they had to stop to check this. Uh, hot boxes as described and so sergeant who's driving the tra- uh, the empty train he plowed into the caboose of the four rear wooden sleeping cars of the circus train the circus train held 400 performers and what was described as rustabouts whatever <laughs> that is i think it's just general workers of the hedgeback wallace circus within 35 seconds of the collision 86 people were killed Jesus. The older wooden cars at the back were all lit with oil lamps, which immediately caused a fire. As soon as, like, wood, hot oil, flames, the whole thing just went up. The total dead numbered 104 by the end of the week, which is where I picked up the article, but with 127 injured. Though, from what I could figure out, I don't know if the... Because it was 80... Was it, what did I say? 80... Sorry, 86 were killed within the first 35 seconds of the collision. And it was reported from the beginning 127 injured. But then the total death toll was 104. So I don't know, are the extra ones from the 127 injured? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't really find clear numbers on that. It seemed a bit kind of confusing like that. So anyway, (laughs) sorry. uh, Among the dead were, it's really hard to pronounce, but uh, Arthur uh, Dierichs and Max Niesborn of the great Dirichs brothers, 
a strongman act and uh, Jenny Ward Todd of the Flying Wards. Now, I want to point out <laughs> you're going to pick up on the same thing yeah. of Batman's Robin was described as his ward. Yeah. yeah. And another Robin, because that was Dick Grayson, was yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Flying Graysons. And then there was Jason. another Robin who was Jason, Jason Ward, Ward. Yeah. Which is, I wondered, is that where they got them? It from? has to be. Has to be. <laughs> um, Actually, flying, I actually didn't notice were, that when I the took flying, the... The Flying Graysons was the... The Graysons, they were called the Flying Graysons. Yeah, so that's... A, I wonder, is that where they took it from? Because Batman's had... ward was Dick Grayson. And know? then, the, but the fact that... Yeah, and they were the Flying Graysons, and then the next Robin is Ward. I, or but, Todd. Or, <laughs> oh, it's Todd was Jason Ward. Sorry, that's... When you no, said, Jason Todd. Oh, yeah. okay. So, yeah, it's kind of an odd... But it was Janine Ward Todd was her name. She was a flying ward. Oh, okay. That's sorry. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I confused her sorry. Yeah, I heard. I heard a name that yeah, reminded yeah. me of Batman, linked, yeah. and I just linked it with Ward. Yeah. But yeah, same. T- yeah. Surely there have to be influence from that. Anyway, okay. Sorry, I only noticed that as I read it to you there, and, and I was like, "So you're putting it together?" Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I hadn't. I hadn't put that together when I was writing this early. So five days later, after uh, the crash, most of those killed were buried beyond or were burned beyond recognition and were buried in Woodlawn Cemetery in Forest Park, Illinois. Now there was a special section of the graveyard was set aside for them and that was known as show, uh, Showmen's Rest and it kind of became a fame. It was owned then it was the area was purchased by a a union for like show workers and stuff like that. So a lot more show workers were buried there afterwards. Yeah, but this yeah. was the first time it was actually used and it became special, uh, like a specific graveyard area known as uh, Showman's Rest. And it's marked with statues of elephants in positions of mourning and stuff. It's like it's a whole, this big kind of area. But because the loads of the bodies couldn't have been identified, they were numbered as, or they were marked as like unknown male one, unknown female one, and so on, going up in numbers. Some of the graves had names, but they only had nicknames because loads of the workers, people didn't know their real names. Oh, yeah. So there's a graveyard marked Smiley. There's a graveyard marked Baldy. <laughs> there's a name. There's a graveyard marked Four Horse Driver. <laughs> so this is like his job. It's mad. Can I stop you for a second? Because I think yeah. where my confusion came with just here in Ward. And obviously this can't because they can't plan this out. But I think I was thinking because the first actor to ever play Robin was named Burt Ward. Ward. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Well, I was told you that he, Batman's Ward is Robin. Yeah. <laughs> Burt Ward, of course, yeah. It's <laughs> really funny. So yeah, they, went into, they investigated the crash. And this is where I got a lot of my notes, was from um, Sergeant's statement. He didn't actually testify at this like tribunal. Uh, he just he was told by um, lawyers and stuff to just like just sit there quietly, and then he released an official statement where basically what I read to you is yeah. pretty much the description um, that was in it. I just summarized it because it was really really long, um, and uh, yeah, where basically they decided there was no. It was actually that he just fell asleep and he shouldn't have been driving, and so it kind of became a bit of a messy thing really um but he in his description he also talked about how he spent like he survived the crash 
right? So he he spent the next uh, like hour and a half like pulling people out of the train and uh. stuff like that, like um, and trying to get people away from the fire and all that kind of stuff. But apparently, after an hour, it just wasn't worth pulling people out anymore. It was too late. Like the flames had gone too bad and stuff. It's horrific, really. So afterwards, he was arrested and he was brought to trial. But based on the evidence and the descriptions, the jury ended up in deadlock. So a mistrial was just, uh, declared uh, and he was dismissed on the 9th of June, 1920. And that was it. I, don't know. Oh. I, have, I have a picture here for you, that which we can put up on the Facebook page. Oh, wow. Yeah, like his... his like ground zero. His engine just came in and just destroyed the old wooden uh, tracks at the back and stuff. That looks um, worse than the last train crash we had in like yeah. 1902 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, the one that was in the station. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, really, in really Brooklyn or somewhere around there yeah uh, it's manhattan manhattan yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah it absolutely just like destroyed these old wooden carriages with the heavy en- engine coming in and but part of the reason he the jury were so like kind of hung not decided that part of the blame is on the circus company because they had these oil lamps in the wooden section that basically the uh. fire caused more damage than say the initial crash did yeah, so yeah. it was kind of hard to figure out who was to blame and they shouldn't have had these oil lamps in this old wooden in these old wooden carriages and they shouldn't have been using these old wooden carriages because they weren't really used that much at the time anymore and all this kind of stuff and but basically they couldn't really like he fell asleep yeah, which was, yeah, yeah he shouldn't have been driving in the first place and all this. there was so it was just a big mess yeah but yeah. like 86 Terrible. people killed in 35 seconds just just Mental. Yeah, <laughs> like it's crazy. I couldn't find a list of like, was there any animals killed or anything in it? But uh, oh yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was looking for it, but I couldn't find anything. But yeah, that's what I got. Big story I could find for this week. Nineteen eighteen, another bleak one. <laughs> yeah, I like disasters. All <laughs> mine are always disasters. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It's well, we're on a, a bleak time. The war is still going on. But yeah. Well, do you want to continue in that tradition and go with more bleakness? <laughs> Sure, you know, let's let's keep it grim. <laughs> now, I've got a few, art, like, I found loads about this popping up. I'm not going to read, uh, there's loads from this week, but they're all little mentions of just more local stuff. So I'm just going to read one. You just have to take my word that these are in every paper for the next, like, a year, really. Every day there's yeah, a yeah. story about this. But I'm just going to read one really quickly. Spanish flu sweeps the country. Uh, killing millions between the spring of 1918 and spring of 1919. The highly virulent and fatal influenza sweeps the country in three waves, killing the youngest and the strongest, devastating entire communities. That's a clipping from something actually released in like the spring of 1919. Oh, yeah. Like looking back at it. But this is all over the place. So, yeah, this is the influenza epidemic of 1918, which was huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like the backstory, well, like the, the war is sort of entering its final stages. It ends in like November, but the, this pandemic of just unprecedented, <laughs> so I don't know what the word, yeah. like just, <laughs> yeah, just took off. We, we now know it as the, the, like technical, the, the clinical term is H1N1 influenza virus, but yeah. it infected one billion people around the globe Whoa. now they have they can document it can killed 50 million that's what they can trace they reckon it probably killed 100 million you know it spread just with remarkable speed it's yeah. 
and I, and I, I hate in like tree sort of waves in various parts of the world like that's how just widespread it had like can i yeah just throw something in there that i think you should probably edit out because it's a great idea is i had this cool idea for uh world war one that the blood on the fields raises a demon <laughs> and then the demon could be the flu <laughs> <laughs> once the demon has come up i thought it'd be a really cool story but it <laughs> could be like book seven of gentlemen and demons um <laughs> by the time they're that age <laughs> yeah, yeah sorry anyway, go on <laughs> but yeah so the um <laughs> it, it appears in the late spring of or well it's actually the late spring early summer of 1918 so it's just popping up now and that's what the articles you will find now still aren't quite sure what yeah, it yeah. is and it'd go on like it, it spread it was late spring early summer in 1918 it started Midsummer, it killed a lot of people, but then there was a little bit of a hush. Then it's the second wave comes in autumn and the winter of the same year, right. and then the final sort of bout comes in the early months of nineteen nineteen, and that's then yeah. it's all out. Then, like it was weird because the the sort of the medical practitioners of the time they only discovered that the <laughs> that the influenza was an actual virus two decades Before. later. No, oh, later. later. Like, yeah, it wasn't. Well, like they still called it the flu, but they didn't know it was a virus. Like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. you don't know what people talk about. Oh, I have a bit of the flu, and they're talking about a cold. Yeah, people yeah. literally thought that's what the flu was. Then, oh, okay, like, yeah, it yeah. wasn't even. They didn't know it was a virus yet. Yeah, they didn't so, think it could kill you, kind of thing. Yeah, this sounds like almost the way. This sounds like something you would say that Stephen Fry would say on QI. But why was it called Spanish, the Spanish flu or Spanish influenza? Oh, of course, and the one that sets off the bells is yeah. because it started in Spain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it didn't. Spain was a neutral country at the time. Yeah, and so they reported on the epidemic. Ah, okay. But to maintain morale, all the countries involved in the war minimized all the early reports of it because they didn't want to add to the troubles or the worries. Yeah. So Germany, Britain, France, and the United States pretty much there was a ban on on mention it unless it was a case in spain oh okay so that's how it became known as the spanish flu because in actual that's what people heard of oh there's a bad flu in yeah spain. and i yeah. think the king of spain even got it so yeah. it sounded like oh if the king gets it but spain's actually mortality rate was relatively lower than yeah. all the other countries like they're not actually sure where it started but there's like a similar virus or similar symptoms was documented uh, among British troops in 1916, so yeah. two years before it took off, so it could be there for it uh, yeah, yeah. spread. But current research suggests that the actual outbreak started with in it when the U.S. military in March 1918, so around oh, a yeah. year after they entered the war, um, and that and that may it may have spread from there through just a network <laughs> like yeah, yeah, and and most people are killed, and this is why where it becomes like really scary is because you know influenza is really like or just the flu it's still actually really dangerous again people yeah, like it's, people, get, still die. people think they have the flu because they have a cold but the flu still though it doesn't not gonna kill you normally unless you're old like but with the spanish flu it was younger people that it targeted oh as you were saying the youngest and the strongest were the ones yeah yeah and I have it because this is how, so this is the, the description, like modern research using virus, using virus taken from frozen 
bodies of its victims has concluded that the virus kills through a cytokine storm which is an overreaction of the body's immune system yeah. and that's why it kills young people over over elderly Probably so a better immune system. yeah and like it was a terrible terrible <laughs> like fire like look what how many you kill like a, like possibly a hundred million like that's it's insane crazy. but it's funny like because you even uh, you've probably heard that the spanish flu killed more people than the great war yeah yeah which right now the it's the great war had an estimated death toll of 10 million okay yeah so so it is true it did kill more people than the great war but like <laughs> more people died of spanish flu than died as a result of the great war but that's globally so oh, okay. like yeah, yeah. that's on soil that the war never actually touched whereas if you actually take it from a regional perspective like the oh, war okay, in europe yeah. the, like the war in europe killed more people than yeah, the, yeah, more people yeah, died yeah. of the war so you in take europe just the war zone or the yeah there or was anything. two million deaths in europe from spanish flu so the war did kill oh, okay yeah. more the war killed more people yeah. statistically like in ireland 20,057 people were yeah. reported of having died of the flu in, and that's in 1918 and 1919 um, the average annual rate um, for the preceding year of the war had stood at 1,179 so that's quite a, an that's increase. A huge increase yeah I know, and that's the reason like the reason it spread like it, it during World War One, it made a big difference because like the close quarters of troops on the ground like of course it was going to like speed like it's going to spread like wildfire essentially yeah, yeah. and then we talked in just last week we were talking about you know aviation being a big thing in the war but also that was just oh, yeah. a big thing in general like people were traveling it was, it was more a big thing anyway yeah. it could have been yeah so like just the fact that soldiers were moving around it could just be spread to other countries quicker yeah, yeah. and then like some just speculate as well with soldiers that like their immune system were just weakened from malnourishment and just the stresses of oh, yeah. living in a trench for nine months, like and sure we had one the other we, week of you were reading the journal of your yeah life, like from what we could figure is he infection his leg for like six months yeah so. yeah your immune system's going to be down yeah uh, it infected twenty eight percent of all Americans whoa uh, an estimated six hundred and seventy five thousand died during the pandemic ten times so like ten times as many Americans died from the flu than the war. Wow. And of all the, the soldiers who died, of American soldiers that died in Europe, half of them died of the Spanish flu. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, while they were in Europe? Yeah. Half of the Americans killed it because of the flu. That's crazy. Yeah. So the, this is the global mortality rate for 1819. It, it's not quite known, but it's estimated to be 10 to 20%. Of those who were infected, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, and which and a third of the entire population was infected, yeah, and twenty percent of it died. That's crazy. So, <laughs> the case fatality ratio means three to six percent of the <laughs> entire globe died of Spanish flu. That's, mad, That's crazy. <laughs> like, um, the effect of the entire of the influenza epidemic was so severe that the average lifespan in the u.s was depressed by 10 years what yeah <laughs> wow well, like it just it, it just messes the figures that much yeah or, yeah uh, yeah yeah they mess with the figures 
well because the average for two years with like, yeah. people died so young that it brought the it took 10 years off the average yeah because yeah. you might have like ten thousand people dying at 12 ten thousand dying at 18 people like numbers that were just unprecedented yeah, yeah. yeah and like but it just all that just goes to show that the flu is actually a really <laughs> dangerous virus like, yeah yeah it's um, like thousands of people die but still mm. no but just not millions i don't know what the numbers are now but i'd imagine worldwide it's probably like most like a million people die from the flu now yeah, it's still yeah. thousands it's pretty high like yeah but yeah. still it's not what you, like 50 million it's not but, but that's it's not they can confirm it's not three to six percent of the worldwide population yeah. <laughs> and it, 50 million is what they can confirm a hundred years later like it is yeah, yeah. way more than that they just you, they can't actually say it, but oh, they reckon yeah. it probably is a hundred million like that's mental so it is a hundred times what you what you what you are guessing it might be today yeah. their one is a hundred times more like, probably yeah yeah so like maybe you maybe you're maybe you're being generous maybe it's actually more than a million i won't know i should have got facts about that yeah but, yeah i did yeah um, but the biggest difference is that the one then even if it is a million now or whatever number it would yeah. still be very very young children and very old people yeah it's but, always it's always the sick and the elderly now. yeah like, but this one it was the young and the healthy <laughs> yeah so we were screwed yeah and well, like the well and the young and uh, the, the the most vulnerable were still dot but they were dying at the normal rate yeah it just yeah. meant to cut like i guess it means it brought everybody to the same level yeah, like which yeah. is that's terrifying that is scary and like you read accounts of it like there's reports of like people like almost like the beginning of zombie movies where people <laughs> were on the subway got sneezed on and then at lunchtime got a fit of coughing and were dead the next morning <laughs> that's like what? yeah oh it was so bad like during the flu like during the epidemic in new york the health commissioners actually like convinced the mayor to just order businesses that no business in close proximity to each other could have the same working hours oh really so as so they invented the flexi time <laughs> yeah yeah infection. They, yeah they just want because they just wanted to stop overcrowding on the subways <laughs> <laughs> why don't they do that now like that's actually not about well you've heard that thing to see uh, on the cdc's website they actually advise they, they want people to stop shaking hands oh really because that's how most diseases well viruses are transmitted see? so they're there's a whole fist bump, yeah that's it's on their website yeah to encourage fist bumps oh wow yeah well i hug everyone is that is that worse that's much worse <laughs> <laughs> isn't like isn't scabies even called the hugging disease <laughs> I did not know that. I'm pretty sure that's a thing. Yeah. I think scabies can be spread in a number of different ways. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that it sounds so terrifying. Just here's one thing actually I'm going to read. This is from the American Medical Association final edition of 1918. And it's just them like talking retrospectively about the year so far. Is it like, fire. help! Ah, help! <laughs> 1918 has gone a year as cruel as the war in the annals of the human race a year which marked the end at least for a time of man's destruction of man unfortunately a year in which developed a most fatal infectious disease causing the death of hundreds of thousands of human beings medical science for four and one half years devoted itself to putting men on the firing line and keeping them there now it must turn its whole might to combating the greatest enemy of all, infectious disease. Wow. <laughs> it's terrifying. That is terrifying. I wonder, was it invented by 
one of the many governments involved in the war. That's a conspiracy theory. I'm just throwing it out yeah. there. No, because it's in, isn't that the thing with the flu? Like that, like uh, yeah. It's been around the whole time. It's yeah. just because us as a species, we've started to mix and it can yeah, just or, spread so quickly. And it's just, it's always one step. Like it mutates. Every five years it mutates. So you, you it, can yeah, never... Yeah. Because there's genuine, there's like scientists and doctors out there that do believe that the flu will be what wipes out the human race. Oh, probably, yeah. And now we're repeating like this, three years or something. This is a conversation we've had before, but it's actually deleted from a podcast. Oh, really? Because in the very live episode, we went on tangents talking about disease and stuff. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it was in that where I mentioned that I've never had the flu. Oh, okay, yeah. And so we were wondering, does that mean that when the ultimate flu comes, does that mean I'm first to go or will I be immune? Yeah, yeah. I could be like one of the guys in the stand, but... Because <laughs> you... you You've had the flu a bunch, haven't you? Oh, loads of times, yeah. yeah. <sighs> I get it. I, don't, I get everything. Which doesn't help that my wife is a teacher, so when it's going around schools, she's exposed mm. a lot, and then she gets it, and then I get it. So it always happens. Yeah, see, I don't get sick a lot in general. Like, I, I, I You just keep your distance from children. <laughs> <laughs> but it's what? Is it 30 f- metres? You've t- oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, yeah, I just don't get sick in general, so, but... That could be like you could be you could have gotten the flu so much that when I've built up the antibodies, yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah, or you just die instantly. Yeah. Or I, and I could be the same. I could be the boy in the bubble who like yeah. I haven't like when the ultimate flu comes, I'll just my body won't know how to react to it because it's never gotten. So I could be patient zero, or I could be the last man alive. Yeah, yeah. Where you could just be the I, well, no, I could be it. <laughs> I could be the, the same either, yeah, just depending yeah. on which scenario, depending on who's writing the, the script for that. But is that something that that'd be that'd be really good script? Actually, <laughs> uh, good story is we have to stay, we have to keep ourselves separated by like a window because we don't know which one of us is going to yeah cause yeah. it to kill the other. But we've both survived so far. <laughs> have you ever seen Jeremiah that post-apocalyptic TV yeah, series? Yeah, yeah. Some kind of like cast from Beverly Hills 90210. Is it all the cast? No, just one of the guys. (laughs) One of the other guys is in like one episode or something. Oh, yeah, he is. He's the the crazy guy. He took over the military base. Yeah. And he's got the nuke. I remember that. That's a great episode. That's an insanely good show. Like, it's definitely got got its full. I don't think it even got a full season, does it? Got two. Really? Two seasons. Yeah, the second season was 13 episodes and the first Mm -hmm. is like 20. It's got its pro. Because it was made, like, you know, before. It's like pre it was a pre Sopranos show. So and that's a yeah, different yeah. world. That's you can't compare shows pre Sopranos. It's even to... pre like Jericho, isn't it? Yeah, I think just before. But even Jericho yeah. I think is pre Sopranos. Like it started before Sopranos. Yeah, it's very T V E. Yeah. Kinda But even for that Jeremiah is still really good. Like it's got adult teams in it. It's got like it's violent. It's yeah. It's really good. It's got a really high production standard, but it still just suffers from the TV writing. Like, it's still written for TV, where it shows yeah, from now. From what I remember, it was around the same time as, um, was it Dark Angel? Probably, with, uh, yeah. what's her name? Jessica Alba. So yeah, it was around yeah. that kind of time period. But it, I remember the context of that was a virus killed yeah, yeah, all the adults. And the young And it people, was basically yeah. any, or anyone who had reached puberty died. Yeah. Um, so it was like, all that was left was like, kids up to about 12 mm. and then they just inherited the world <laughs> yeah and that's it the guy that was over the the big base raven rock or whatever he uh he was in love with a woman i think she was probably like 16 when the flu came yeah and so she's in the glass she lives in the box oh, i and forgot about that 
And that's really cool when you find that. Out. Well, sorry, spoilers for Jer- for a show that ended ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I ever saw much more than like say five episodes in. Must it's watch it cool, but like it's just it's good fun. It's got such a high production standard for its time. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. But, but it's a really good idea, like concept. Yeah. Uh, that's yes, using <laughs> Well, but, uh, do you have anything more to say about the flu? Um, I don't think so. No. Well, then I will just say that if the idea of the flu doesn't scare you enough, I would really suggest because like it's one of my favorite books, The Stand by Stephen King. Yeah. And it's come to that point where we have to link to an ad. Oh. So yeah. that's mine for the day. That uh, get The Stand by Stephen King on Audible. And it's unabridged, the one that's on it. So, like, because you get a free book if you use our URL, which is audibletrial.com forward slash yesteryear's news today. And if you want to get your money's worth from a free trial, it's unabridged, so it's 50 hours long. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I I didn't, I read it in book form, and it's like, that size, it's massive. But, like, 50 hours, like, it wants to be an an audio book, I guess. But it's really cool with this, and only a few books are available like this but the stand on audible is available with whisper sync have you heard about this no I haven't. this is a really awesome idea and it's something that even recently i was thinking oh why hasn't somebody done this and audible has whisper sync is where you get it as like a kindle book yeah and an audio book okay so you get those. and they keep tra- track of each other so you can be reading a book as normal but then you're like oh i'm late i have to go get ready for work but i'm stuck immersed in my book you can wh- switch to whisper sync and then it switches to the audiobook it knows what page you're yeah on. yeah and it continues somebody reading for you and then when you switch back and you feel like reading you switch back and you're back at where you finished oh that's so clever it's genius that is genius because i don't like to be honest like i like audiobooks but normally if i listen to an audiobook it'll be like history or something if i'm reading like prose it kind of ha- i have to read it in writing like i think yeah, that's how yeah. it feels better that's how books should be read but, but each to their own but I can, because I've been reading stuff where I was like, oh, I really I wish I could just, this is where I wish I could just switch it to an audiobook just because I have to walk to work or something. Yeah. And I can't yeah. read while I'm walking. Yeah. And this is, this is amazing for it. Like, and it's there for the stand and no better, it's 50 hours, no better book for it to be there. Because the yeah, stand's yeah. thing is really well, if you want to read him, like he's really good to read. But it's 50 hours, so Whisper Sync works really well there. So you can get that for free and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash yesteryears news today. You can get any book, but, I mean, that's a really good suggestion. Yeah, and make sure you follow that link because then Audible know we did that. Yeah. And they'll sponsor us. And we'll do more episodes and bring you more news and stories and things and give us money. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any, anything else there? Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I cheat a little bit with this because didn't happen this week but happened this year oh that's okay that's a huge cheat for but i'll let you wear because it's relevant to the war um and this will be the last of the war exactly yeah Yeah. so that was my kind of tie-in and that is on october uh, 20th 1918 charlie chaplin's film shoulder arms was released and i found a headline which is the tramp in the trenches (laughs) Which what got, which is what caught my attention, because uh, I I look like you know first thing I always do when I'm researching is what happened in 1918, and then I might find something and I go oh and then look into it more and stuff. So that this yeah, is yeah. one of the things that caught my attention. So there's a, the description of the film, um, obviously gives away spoilers, but that's 
the description of a film I that's have a nearly 100 that years old. If something's been out for a year, you're allowed to give a spoiler. If it's been yeah, out this for, been out for 98 or 97 uh, years. So. Yeah, I think. Uh, I and think I'm a huge six. Chaplin fan. I love Chaplin. Um, and I have a link and stuff. It's on YouTube and stuff. You can watch the film. It's 46 minutes long. And this is... It was the sh- one of Chaplin's shortest features he ever made. Or it was his shortest feature film. Uh, at 46... Sorry. 46 minutes long but at the time it was his most successful film um he had more successes yeah yeah, um so charlie is in a boot camp uh, in the awkward squad as what they're called (laughs) once in france he gets no letters from home he finally gets a package containing limburger cheese which requires a gas mask so he throws it over into a german trench he goes over the top and captures 13 Germans, then volunteers to wander through the German lines disguised as a tree trunk. <laughs> with the help of a fr- Yeah, I have seen it. I'll just bring help- it back. <laughs> with the help of a French girl, he captures the Kaiser and the Crown Prince and is given a, uh, a statue and victory parade in New York. And then fellow soldiers wake him from his dream. <laughs> Because it was all a dream. Oh, another all just a dream. That's the, our second. We've only covered. We've only covered. This is our fifth movie to cover, or sixth maybe. Yeah. And it's our third. It was all just a dream. <laughs> so like fifty percent of them are all just a dream. Uh-huh. And I'm not too sure, but the one I did last week, um, that was one of the first color features. I haven't watched it all the way through, so it could also be a dream because it was a little bit trippy as well. So yeah. I'm sure. Though Chaplin's really good at dream sequences. There's the amazing dream sequence he does in The Kid. Mm. Um, that's amazing yeah, yeah. how they do that. And uh, yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it makes a lot of sense that the tramp would mostly be dreaming. Yeah. Because he's just. And it makes it because he's just. He's the tramp. He's living in an alleyway. Or well, in, like, well, no, some, it's. What it is him. Throwing the cheese over, capturing 13 German soldiers, and then winning the war by capturing the Kaiser and the Prince. Yeah, yeah. That's a dream. But he's actually in. Oh, he's still the soldier. In- yeah, he's oh, actually okay, in war. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so he's not the Trump character in this. Um, It's just when it said Trump. Kinda, the- he's Charlie Chaplin, who always plays Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. Of, you know, it's- but was there not was there not a distinction from like he done the earlier stuff and then he like he properly becomes the Trump? Like, yeah, yeah. Like there is a bit I wouldn't say it's not a continuity like Marvel or anything, but there is like a familiarity with the Tramp character that he Yeah, he made most of his movies as that character. Yeah, yeah. Like even I'd like to try and draw up a continuity about what the Tramp actually <laughs> So the Tramp so like let's but like his other movies like the, let, okay, let's he's the Tramp, but this isn't canon. That's the way we look Maybe, at it. Maybe yeah, yeah. Well no, it's the Tramp who's been drafted and sent to World War One. I. I get oh yeah, I guess, yeah. yeah. That makes yeah, it makes sense. He was, oh is, he might not have been the Tramp at this point. It's because of World War One he becomes Very the possibly, Tramp. Because yeah. then he gets oh. caught up in the gold rush and then the big city and things he like that. He becomes an alcoholic after this, like because yeah, he's yeah. having he's got PTSD or well it wasn't PTSD yet, it was called he had shell shock. Or the, the nerves are at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, we just ruined the tramp for people. <laughs> <laughs> the reason he lives on the streets is yeah. shell shock. <laughs> uh, but actually, Chaplin would probably really appreciate. Mm. Um, yeah, he, d- he didn't really start to break away from the tramp till later, like in well, much later. Yeah. Oh, like he did the World War Two. Well, it was the great just the st- yeah, the great dictator. It was just at the start of World War Two. Yeah, and that in that he played. Uh, I think he's a cobbler. Is he? Mm. He's a Jewish cobbler, and then. The dictator 
so basically Hitler happened to be identical and then they yeah. get switched and it's like that's the do you know story. Hitler was actually a chaplain by then yeah and that was kind of when he found that out this was his response to it pretty much and when Hitler found that out yeah he banned any chaplain. Ch- chaplain from Germany yeah. and apparently he was actually really hurt by it yeah because he was a huge Chaplin fan, which is really Charlie Chaplin might be the only person that ever actually hurt Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it also means like the mustache. Like I know that's been a joke for the lot, like since Hitler, but yeah, the yeah. mustache probably was like he probably did. That's what they reasoned was he he styled it after yeah. his hero. Yeah, that's so weird. <laughs> I know it's unusual. What's your favorite Chaplin movie? It's the kid, definitely. Yeah. It's I just, like City of Lights. It's such a solid movie. Um, I've loads I haven't watched yet. I got a box set recently. And I, one I really want to watch I haven't watched is uh, it's a Monsieur Bordeaux, where he's like a serial killer. Did we we watched that in college, did we not? No, no. We watched The Kid. I, brought it I know we watched The Kid, but I thought Rob might have shown us. Maybe you showed us a clip from it or something. Yeah, yeah. I think I might have seen a clip there and then watched it myself. But that's good. Yeah, that's good. It got really mixed reviews because everyone was like what the hell is this because <laughs> he's just like it's basically dexter <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, do you like city lights um i'm trying to remember it's ages since i've seen loads i've loads of them watched yeah, so many yeah. Of them. the one i've watched like over and over again is the kid that like, i really like city lights it's the one with him meeting the the girl the like, blind girl isn't yeah it? oh yeah, sorry yeah. yes yeah, yeah i was gonna say which is the one with the blind <laughs> girl that's <in laughs> really i fucking love that one like i've all watched yeah about the city just yeah. when they meet they like that's that whole great. thing have you seen the yeah. she thinks he's rich she thinks he's a really wealthy yeah, rich yeah, man because yeah. he buys a flare off her or something i'm trying to remember yeah yeah, yeah. he gives I her t- all his money to buy a flare because she's so beautiful or something. yeah yeah and then she thinks that he's rich but it's because actually like he's like oh well, that was everything i had yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you seen the Attenborough the, the chaplin movie with robert downey jr yeah yeah because they go into the making of that. Because that was, wasn't that the, the first use of sound was in City Lights? I think so, yeah, yeah. And so they're trying to figure out. And that's why she's, the only reason they made her blind because it made the use of, they could use sound, they could make it funny. Because it, it warranted using sound. Yeah. I don't think there's talking in it though. No, no, there's not. But that was it because they wanted to, inter- like the, oh, they put sound effects in Using, it. well, it was the fact that sound was coming. And the worry was that that would ruin Chaplin because ha- yeah, the yeah. tramp can't talk. So how do you use sound in a Chaplin movie and still make it funny? Yeah. And so that's why they made her blind. So is the use of sound because she relies on her hearing. So that yeah, was the yeah. excuse to introduce bits of sound, but still. But he, he does it really well. In, I could be completely um, wrong on that, but it's yeah. something. He uses it really well in The Great Dictator is because it's. It's like well, then, talkies were the big thing. Yeah, yeah. And he did a silent film. And then at the end of the film, he does he that says, speech. Yeah, yeah. Which is just unbelievable. It's such a good speech. Um, if we're short on time, I'm going to throw that speech at the end of it. Oh, do. And actually, um, what's it? Paolo Nutini put it into one of his songs in his new album. Oh, yeah? That's really good. I was, I was listening to the album. And I was like, I know this speech. What is this from? And it took me ages. And then I was like, oh. <gasps> It's from the great dictator. <laughs> so he's so passionate, like he's machine so men's with machine minds. Yeah, oh, it's unbelievable because that's who he was, like as yeah. a person. He was mental, but <laughs> that's who he was as a person. He used to go fishing in Cork or in Kerry when he retired. Yeah, trialed Good. by 
because he was exiled from the states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. lived in France. Communist, and then he used to holiday. Yeah. Communist sim- sympathizer. Well, that's because he had this mad idea that everybody should be equal. Yeah, lunatic. Must be a communist. <laughs> Everyone should be equal. Mental. Anyways, <laughs> that's all I have for uh, 1918. So, well, do you want to stick with somebody that was uh, a communist sympathizer because he had other mad opinions? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I won't go a lot into this. That's just an excuse for me to mention him. He's also somebody we had. This is another. Uh, item featuring a, a writer from the lost generation we had jr talking two weeks ago oh yeah um are, are you familiar with the lost generation that term yeah yeah um i remember i was reading up this recently and it was should the people at home will need to know anyway yeah, you should yeah. say why no johnny <laughs> tell me about that just for oh sorry well johnny i've never even heard of that <laughs> tell me so everything the lost generation uh it's the generation that came of age during world war one Oh yeah, current war we're in, and it was popularized by Ernest Hemingway in *The Sun Also Rises*, his first novel. So, because yeah, in the oh, actually, yeah, and you know, it's writers like F. Scott Fitzgerald and T. S. Eliot and Waldo Pierce and J. R. L. Tolkien are all like mem- they're writers from the Lost Generation. Yeah, and so Hemingway attributed the phrase to Gertrude Steen, who I I haven't actually read anything of hers, but she's a novelist and she was his mentor. And she heard it from a garage. It, so it was the epigraph at, at the start. It was just the first page of The Sun Also Rises. It was just, I can't remember verbatim, but it's like, you were all the lost generation. And where she heard it, it was a, she was at a garage and she was yeah. working with this young mechanic and he couldn't fix her car. And the garage owner came over and he just started shouting at them that he done it wrong and he knows not. And then that's what you are. You're all the lost generation. And so <laughs> it referred to like just people that came out of World War One just shell shocked and just had no idea where they stood in the world anymore oh, they had like no skills and no yeah not even kind of no skill but just that like just that they were messed up like that they, they, they yeah. went like the, the world war one just the world before world war one and the world afterwards was too completely yeah, yeah. like it's this generation that were there for this crossover and just couldn't be the same again yeah and so a lot of writers sp- sprang from that and okay. it's a very bleak generation to come yeah, from yeah. the lost generation i think it could kind of apply now for the current generation of like artists and stuff but in a different didn't have any traumatic experiences like the the lost generation of the great war but now it's this weird time where there's no defining events for any creatives coming out now no no like you've got not and it just now it's kind of a lost generation and that to be like a great you have to like monetize your itunes app or create facebook (laughs) but also as well like uh, i think a little bit the lost generation in a lot of ways is say people you're my age because you've we're kind (laughs) of we're slightly too old to be hipsters and then we're too young to be like grunge heads and so we're kind of the in-between of kind of anything happening and we grew up poor and now we're poor. <laughs> yeah, that was actually, I did you know see what I mean? somebody, like, actually was some current writer, I can't remember who it was, but he did refer to the current generation of the lost generation, because he's saying like, it's the f- it's one of the first generations ever that yeah. had to grow up knowing they would never be as successful as their parents. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. And that's, 
and that is actually true like because we you, you if you come of age during a recession you're kind of screwed <laughs> yeah yeah that's and that's actually that's kind of what we're well even though america actually was really successful after world war one yeah. but the people that fought and that weren't so it does refer to who comes out of it but yeah like we will never ever earn the same money as our parents did when they were our age or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. by the time when they came to retirement age We'll never earn that kind of Although money. I don't think my parents that. made a whole lot, so hopefully fingers no, crossed. No, no, but in general, yeah, if your parents were successful, you will never be as successful. Yeah. Unless they're like millionaires and you just inherit the yeah. empire. <laughs> Which still isn't success. No, <laughs> exactly, yeah. But that kind of actually goes away from like, so that was just to explain. We had yeah, a, sorry. <laughs> but he was already mentioned. So yes, uh, while passing out supplies to soldiers in Italy, Ernest Hemingway was seriously injured on july 8th i think that's the date i just um yeah he's passing out supplies and uh a, a trench mortar and machine gun went off and yeah he got a big blast in his legs took him out oh, lovely. and the italian government awarded him the silver medal of military valor because he dragged a, dragged a wounded italian soldier to safety after the attack with his legs blown off well, blown, not off, to bits, yeah. to bits, yeah. And wow, and he wasn't a so he was an. I was just saying he wasn't. Even he was an ambulance Italian. driver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was a medic, like, and he wasn't an Italian. No, um, yeah, yeah but his career as an ambulance driver <laughs> was uh, over. He actually he uh, signed up to the military, but he was kept out because of his eyesight. Oh yeah, and but he just really he was like he was Steve Rogers like <laughs> okay. he went to them and just begged them to let him go and yeah, like yeah. no and he's like a medic he's like no you still can't he's like I won't even have a gun I don't need to aim and he's just like I need to go and he yeah, just yeah. convinced them and like okay that's so my part yeah and he sent him as a medic he wanted to do his part but like also he wanted to be a writer okay yeah and he wanted to experience he needed ex- he, he was like oh, I'm not going to write about this stuff if I haven't lived it <laughs> like yeah, I can respect that, definitely. And boy, did he live it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and actually when he got injured, he, like he went to Milan Hospital and that's where he met this American nurse. Fell in love with her. Um, can't remember her name. Agnes something. And that's he He, he wrote it in the 30s, maybe. The um, A Farewell to Arms. It's yeah. a really great novel. And that's sort of based on... that. It's essentially it's a semi-biographical account. Oh, yeah. Um, can you listen to that on uh every hemingway yeah. book is on audible it's oh. hemingway like he's one of the that's one of the even if you go to like chapters or any big bookstore now you don't find audiobooks anymore in the hemingway section you will see just stacks of cds of all hemingways oh, really? yeah, for some reason they're really popular as audiobooks oh, okay um which is weird because i think you have to read his writing because it's, it's so all of it like yeah yeah but it's he's enjoyable got, read. well he's got such an odd writing style like yeah it's very static a lot of the time but it's really it's really powerful like but I'm, I, i've never listened to a hemingway audiobook so i don't know you know what i haven't used my free trial of audible yet <laughs> yeah. so actually you know, you know i have before you see i used it before i'm probably not entitled to one because i've already i've probably used it before we got the yeah. sponsor, yeah, yeah. But you should sign up. I will. But yeah, actually, have you seen a? It's a Sandra Bullock film from like the mid late nineties, in Love and War. I've not heard of it. Actually. I'd say you'd seen it. Your wife surely made you watch it. Have you been made watch the Notebook at any point? 
Yes. If Kate listens to this podcast, she'll probably now be like, oh, we should watch that. And maybe <laughs> oh, yeah. watch it. But it's actually, because I haven't seen it, but I didn't realise, but it's it's not based on A Farewell to Arms, because that's still a fictional book, but In Love and War is, is more based on Hemingway's actual experience. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. I think it is, I think he's called Ernest Hemingway. Like, oh, really? But that was essentially my excuse to just talk about Hemingway because he's the most fascinating person in the world. <laughs> and he's awesome. Yeah. Please go on. Tell me more. Or was that just... <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's not really it. Like, I don't have specifics. Okay. I was just going to... I don't know. Where to start? Like, yeah. Right. Okay. So he was on... He, like, that was World War One. He's an ambulance driver. He was also in the Spanish Civil War. Okay. <laughs> he, he was there. He was present at the Normandy landings. Yeah. What else? Like he was there. Like so he's he, like Christopher Lee. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. That's actually really. Oh. Who died? The yeah. Other week? Last week was it? We should have mentioned that, and then actually that'd have been a good special. We'll do one. We should do a special on both. Yeah. Like together. Do they cross over? Yeah, like Hemingway and Lee. Like. <laughs> I wonder if they ever met. Like they probably feuded. <laughs> if they did. <laughs> I can't even remember what. That's a great movie. Sorry. That's a great war movie. Of Hemingway and Lee, <laughs> yeah, he had you know F. Scott Fitzgerald. Apparently, him and Hemingway had a huge feud because he didn't like or Heming or Fitzgerald's wife. Fitzgerald is in um, what you call it? Big popular book. Leonardo DiCaprio made a movie about it recently. Oh, Great Gatsby. Great Gatsby. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like him and Hemingway had a big feud, and I think it was because Fitzgerald's wife didn't like him or something. But there's all these weird. Like Hemingway, just he was a bit of a weirdo. <laughs> like just odd as in like he'd just fuck with people like apparently there's some weird story where like he was he was in a pub once and he saw Fitzgerald go to the bathroom and he just walked in and he peed beside him and I don't know he just like grabbed Fitzgerald's <laughs> penis and he just and he just looked at him and oh yeah it is of normal size <laughs> and just walked out <laughs> for no reason <laughs> but just to just to implant the idea in the, in his head that people were talking about him having a small penis or so I don't know why. <laughs> really funny. <laughs> he did all these weird things. Like there was this other thing where there was some um, hotel in France in Paris where he'd stayed a whole time, and one night he just came home really angry and he was just shouting to the urinal <laughs> that he's pissed so much money into this urinal it might as well be his, and he took out an axe. And started cutting it off the wall, <laughs> and he brought it home to America with him, and it was up in his office, like it was, you know, where you have like your degrees and your paintings behind. Yeah, he just had a urinal behind him. <laughs> yeah, like oh, he's a, like he was just a real stubborn, angry guy as well. Like, there's stories like he, if he read a bad, bad review. He'd go out and hop in his car and drive to the critic's house and just beat them up. <laughs> that's brilliant. Maybe not actually. I'm sure like that's exactly... I'm sure he'd done it once. He'd have cost them. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> but there's weird... Because apparently... It's probably where his stubbornness comes from. Like his when he his mother wanted a girl. Oh, yeah. And for his first four years, like, dressed him as a girl. That's right. I remember you telling me this before. No, I think I even told. I think I might have told you about another. I think we had. I think that was the in the race for the poles guy. Sorry, you're right. Yeah, but Hemingway adventurer, same type of guy. Yeah, and it was something she wanted him to be a musician and insisted he uh, played a violin. I can't remember the instrument. Let's say it's violin, and 
she spent hundreds to get him to learn it yeah and he just refused like every week he'd have the exact same lesson and they would teach him like a simple just a simple thing to do and he'd just do the complete opposite and it was deliberate like yeah. years later he was like he could play piano and stuff <laughs> and there's a quote where like she wanted me to learn violin i made sure i was the worst violin player ever just because like, stubborn just because, yeah <laughs> and i i can understand that like if someone yeah. yeah like he's a crazy guy like this like in world war Two, i don't like he wasn't trialed but he was accused by geneva um of committing war crimes seriously yeah but the war crimes were just because he wasn't a soldier. But he, he 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 led a group of French militia in an attack against the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like, and then like in the forties, and this is where the whole communist sympathizer comes into it and stuff. Because he oh, yeah. he worked with Soviet KGB as like a, a spy, like because he had these fishing fleets and yeah. they doubled his spy boats. And Edgar Hoover had guys spying on him yeah. for like mo- like pretty much all of his later life because of this. There was yeah. for years there was conspiracy theories that why he committed suicide was because he was being drove mad by the FBI. Oh yeah, and it was like, crazy conspiracy theories. But in like the early nineties, there was like uh, what's it called? The Decla- yeah, the classified documents came out, and they were spying on him. And there was like oh, like that they were making it obvious they were spying on him to drive him mad. Uh, that was their tactic like yeah do you know what his uh his uh code name was uh when he was like working with the kgb no argo uh, <laughs> really good that's very good but he's just hardcore like there is like he was in africa well this is just me listing out stuff about <laughs> yeah, this isn't even it. talking about him but um he, he was on a hunting trip in africa because uh, he was a big game hunter of course yeah. love going <laughs> shooting <hunting>. urinals <laughs> <laughs> actually like one of his books uh the green fields of africa it's really and it's just that's like a non-fiction of just an experience on an african hunting trip and that's really good um you should read like you'd really like some of his stuff and like yeah. he's got like for whom the bell tolls and farewell harems they're like big mammoths of books but then you have the old man in the sea which oh, is yeah. literally it's just about an old man goes fishing catches a big fish and just has a four day battle with it out in the ocean oh yeah yeah and it's just it's about 90 pages it's it's probably my favorite book like that's the one he got the nobel prize for yeah that was what was i saying before that oh yeah so he's big in the hunting and all that um he's on an african hunting trip and he crashed a plane he did there was a plane crash yeah and he made it out and he saved his wife he dragged her out and a few days later he got on a plane again i would never get like if i'm in a plane crash i probably won't fly again yeah but not a few days later anyway that plane crashed as well. <laughs> but he, I think that was, he might have been the only person in that, or it wasn't many, but he got trapped in this one. Yeah. The door was stuck, and how he got open was he head put it open. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it took two. He head put it twice. Well, I think he just broke the window, so I don't know. Well, he just. Yeah, yeah. But I think at that point, you're probably, like, the plane was probably on fire. <laughs> like, yeah, it's I suppose. Um. <laughs> Yeah, just a, an insane guy. He was one tough mother, isn't I don't know what else to say. Like, I just wanted to mention Hemingway. Yeah. It's a good lad. Read some Hemingway and read up about him. Audible trial.com forward slash yesteryear's news today. Every. No, this, yeah. there used to be, anyway. I'm pretty sure every Hemingway is best, is, is at least. I would say so. 
That's it, I think. Is that it? Is that the news as it was this week in 1918? It is, Johnny. Well, then I guess we'll see you in the future. Don't you mean the past? <laughs>